Well, good morning. You guys go ahead and grab a seat. This morning we are, we have the privilege of doing what I believe is the most exciting thing that churches do, and that is that we're going to have a baptism this morning. In the message today, I'm going to talk a little bit more about baptism, so I'm not going to say a whole lot about it now, but we have one young lady who wants to let everyone know that she has trusted Christ as her Savior, and so we are celebrating um, with her this morning. And so I'm going to kind of slide over this direction, and I'm going to have Savannah come on up. Savannah, come up here with me. out into the light just a little bit. This is Savannah Highland. One of the things with our children's ministry, we have a philosophy where what we want to do is partner with families. We don't feel like as a church, it's just us uh, alone teaching kids, but we want to build a foundation here in in what we do in our, our kids' ministry through teaching Bible stories. We share the gospel with the kids, but so much of it, we want it to be reinforced at home. And that is really Savannah's story. She's been a part of our church, I mean, since she was just really, really tiny. Um, And so been a part of our kids' ministry, building that foundation of faith, but then reinforced to her at home with her parents, Brad and Tiffany. And so we're just really excited um, that we get to celebrate with Savannah this morning as she has trusted Christ as her Savior. And she was the one who went to mom and said, hey, I want to be baptized. And so this is an exciting day for us. Let me pray, and then we'll continue and have Savannah's baptism. Heavenly Father, thanks so much for the faith that you've given to Savannah. And I pray, Father, that throughout the rest of her life, you would continue to help her grow in her understanding of you and how much you love her. May this seed of faith that you've given to her at this young age um, sprout and bloom into something significant, Father. May she remember this day and remember the decision that she's made to place her faith and trust in Jesus and how that has changed her life forever and given her an eternal home in heaven. And so we celebrate with her about what you have done for her and what you've done for all of us. When you sent your one and only son, Jesus, who laid down his life for us so that by faith in him, we could know you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.
Trumpet sound, oh may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne, amen, faultless to stand before the throne, faultless to stand before the throne, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking Good to see everyone this morning. I know we've got some guests who are here, and so if you are here for the first time, thanks so much for being here. For those of you who are joining us online, thanks for tuning in there as well. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Bill, and it's my privilege to serve as the lead pastor here at the table. Uh, if you are a guest with us today, we would love to connect with you. Uh, and the easiest way to do that is if you text the word welcome to 817-755-1668. And so if you're in the room and you're like, you said that number way too fast, right in front of you, you will see a sticker. And on that sticker is that number. So you can text us and we'll just follow up with you and find out um, just how we could potentially minister to you and your family because we really are glad that you're here. Also, if you are a guest with us today, not necessarily maybe just for the first time, but it could be, you know, you've been here a couple of times before and you are interested in finding out a little bit more about the church uh, or maybe what some of those next steps are as you might um, want to get connected. After the service this morning, we are doing what we refer to as, and honestly, we say this just because we haven't figured out a better title, um, but a meet and greet, um, which sounds a whole lot I don't know, like we don't, we're not signing autographs and stuff like that. It's not like at a concert. It's more of just a time to just hang out for a couple of minutes, five or ten minutes after the service where we just explain a little bit more about who we are. And then again, some of the next steps um, that you can take as a church to get connected. Maybe you've been with us over the last couple of weeks and you've heard us talk about the different groups that we have and things like that. And so you're kind of like, I don't know what to do. I need somebody to help me. This is a great opportunity um, for you to stay after. And so after the service, 
We'll just kind of hang out up here uh, to my left, your right, and um, have a little bit of refreshments and stuff, and we'll just um, just kind of have a, a, a time to chat. So would love for you to stay if, if you can do that. Again, it's not going to be long, especially in this service, because you know, we got another one coming, so you kind of get a, get a hard stop at some point in there. But glad that everyone is here today. Let me pray for us, and then we'll, we'll get started with the message. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. God, as we just sang, we know that you are the solid rock. We can trust in you. And, and Father, as we spend some time in your word this morning, I pray that we would understand a little bit more about how we can do that, why we can do that, why we have faith that you'll never let us down. And so as we look at your word, I pray that you would teach us and guide us, challenge us, open our eyes to things in our lives that maybe aren't the way that you want them so that through the work of your spirit, we can make the changes in our lives that you are calling us to because, Father, we believe that following you with everything that we have is the best way to live. So open our eyes to that. Bless us, continue to bless us with your presence today. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. I wonder if you would potentially consider yourself a kind of, sort of Christian. Now I know as, as soon as I say that, many of you are thinking, no, I'm not kind of, sort of a Christian. I'm like a real one. So let me explain what I mean by that. You might be able to say that you have faith in God. You might even say that uh, you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, but if you're a kind of, sort of Christian, I might go to your friend and say, hey, is he a Christian or is she a Christian? And they might say something like this. Well, you know what? Yeah, I think they're kind of a Christian. A kind of, sort of Christian is one who would say that they have faith in Jesus, who may believe some of the right things, but yet that faith that they say they have hasn't necessarily translated itself into every area of their lives. You're kind of a Christian, but not yet fully surrendered to Jesus. Now, as I explain that a little bit more, for those of us that are really honest with ourselves, we would say, yeah, that's probably me. And if that's the case, listen, I, I want you to know you're not alone in that because all of us at certain points in our lives and in certain areas of our lives would say the reality is we are only kind of, sort of Christians. And part of the reason we struggle with that is I, I think it goes back to the fact that we're not really sure we can trust Jesus with everything. I, I find in my own life it's really easy to trust Jesus for my eternity because there is literally nothing that I can do to change that. But I struggle with the day-to-day -day because there is so much that I can do to change that. 2016 Outreach Magazine published a list of 10 reasons that people struggle to trust God. Number one on that list was fear. Just afraid of what that means to actually Trust God with everything. Second on the list is a worry about things being out of control. Or, and then third is that you will fall apart. So it's like things will fall apart. Well, then maybe I'll fall apart. I mean, you know, the reality is a lot of us like to have control. 
We like to have our lives built in a certain way with as few variables as possible. We like uh, uh, as few unknowns as possible. We like to control everything, and we fear that trusting God means that everything is going to be out of control, and then we don't know what's going to happen after that. Number four on outreach's list of reasons that people don't trust God is family of origin. Number five is past betrayals, which I think these two things really go together. If you have somebody who is very close to you, maybe a family member that you are supposed to be able to trust, and they uh, betray that trust in some way, and you're really going to have a hard time trusting God. And we talk about God as our heavenly father. We use familial language within the church. And for some people, that brings up some really bad associations. And they think, well, if I can't trust them, then how can I trust God? Fifth on that list, or sixth on that list, is a distorted view of God. I think it's easy, even when we know better, to have a distorted view of God, kind of where we think that God is the old man upstairs, just kind of waiting, looking down, watching over us, waiting until we make a mistake and then he can punish us. Sometimes it's really easy to develop a distorted view of God's love and care on us, where we think that we have to do something to earn that love and care. Distorted view of God. Number seven is a lack of stillness before God. So if we're not ever quiet before God, we're never going to know what it is that he wants us to do. So we'll never be able to trust him the way that he wants us to trust him. Number eight is perfectionism, which I, I think this, as they explained it in the article, is a little bit more of a personality flaw where we, we, some of us think that we have to be perfect and it's we that has to be perfect and I can't let God do his work in me because it has to be up to me. Number nine is a limited view of letting go, which I think this is a, a, some of what Wayne talked about last week in the message, where you just think all you have to do is pray the prayer or walk the aisle or say the right thing and that's it. But God wants so much more for us than that. He wants us to fully surrender everything because that is the best way that we could ever experience life. And then number 10 on that list is denial. The idea that I just don't have to. And so it could be one of those reasons or a combination of those reasons that causes us to just end up where we're kind of, sort of, Christians. Might say the right things, might believe the right things, but that belief hasn't translated into every area of life where we have fully surrendered everything to God. And I'll tell you, we don't have time to go back through all of those lists of reasons and give an answer to all of them, but here's what I want you to know today. We can trust Jesus. I want you to think about this for just a second. Think about the people that are in your own life who you trust more than anyone else. And why do you trust them? Who are the people that you trust and why do you trust them? In preparation for this message, I was kind of thinking about this a little bit. And as I was thinking about the people in my life that I trust more than any other people, I started to think, you know what? The reason that I trust them is because they know me. Not just know about me, but they know me. And so there's a level of commonality um, between us, right, that, that we identify together in some way. So they know that. So if I were to pick up the phone and say, here's what's going on, here's what I need, they would know exactly what I was talking about. 
because we identified together in some way. Then as I continue to think about it, I realize that these people in my life that I trust more than anybody else, while in, in some ways they're like me, they're also different from me. And in some ways I would look at them and say, I think they're better than me. And so I just realized as these people that I trust in my life, they're like me in some ways, but yet different than me, better than me in other ways. And then all of a sudden, as I was thinking about this, I realized that's Jesus. See, Jesus is a lot like us. He identifies with us, but yet is different from us. And that's why we can trust him. If you've got a Bible with you this morning, I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 3. We're going to be looking at two verses today, Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. If you don't have a Bible with you, but you have your smartphone, uh, you can navigate your way to our YouVersion live event. Um, if you've got the YouVersion app on your phone, uh, so you go down to the bottom and hit more, and then the event is like the third thing down, and then you'll be able to find it. And you'll follow along. There's a lot, a lot of helpful information, a place to take notes, some questions for reflection and things like that there. If you don't have that, then the... Scripture is going to be on the screen in just a second, but over the last several weeks, we've been working through this series, The Early Years, where we've been looking at the early years of the life of Jesus. And we've been talking a lot about who Jesus is. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned Jesus' math, which is a little bit different. We talked about how Jesus is 100% divine and 100% human, and that is 100% of who Jesus is. And as I've even thought about the, the messages that we've gone through over the last several weeks, over and over again, the emphasis is on who Jesus really is. And I think in Luke's gospel, as he's writing about the life story of Jesus in these early years, what he's doing is laying out the identity of Jesus, because this is so fundamental to our faith. It is everything for us. And so today, the passage that we're looking at is two verses, it's the baptism of Jesus. And I think, once again, what Luke is doing is presenting a picture of who Jesus is for us. He's a lot like us in some ways. He identifies with us, but yet is very different from us, and that's why he can be trusted. So let me read these two verses, Luke 3, 21 and 22. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus had also been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. One of the interesting things about Luke's life story of Jesus, especially when it relates to the baptism, there's not a lot there. It's the other gospels that give us a little bit more color to that event. All Luke says is, and when the people were being baptized and Jesus was baptized with them. Let me talk a little bit about what was happening at the time. So Wayne last week talked about the ministry of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus, kind of paved the way for the coming of Jesus. And primarily, John's message was repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. And so people were coming out to the wilderness, listening to John's messages, and then they were saying, I get it. I'm a sinner. I repent of my sin, and I want to be baptized. I want to change my life. That was the baptism of John the Baptist. It was people who were saying, 
I recognize I'm a sinner. I'm, I repent of my sin. I want to do better. And they're saying, I want to be a part of this new kingdom movement that you keep talking about because John said the kingdom of heaven is at hand or the kingdom of heaven is coming. And so all these people were coming to John the Baptist for the purpose of a baptism for repentance of sins. They were saying, I repent of my sins. I want to get my life right. And I want to be a part of this kingdom that is coming. So that was the purpose. That was John's message. And so what we find here is that when all the people were being baptized and Jesus was baptized with them. And so Jesus went out to the wilderness to be baptized by John the Baptist. And the question that we got to ask is, well, why? It wasn't because Jesus needed to repent of his sins like the people did. He hadn't done anything wrong. He'd never done anything wrong. But yet here he is, and he is to be baptized by John the Baptist. The reason is that Jesus wanted to be identified with those people. Jesus wanted to be identified with this group of people who were saying, I want to change my life, I repent of my sins, and I want to turn my life around and begin to live a life that's pleasing to God. Jesus wanted to identify with those people and say, hey, I'm with you in this. And I want you to join me in this new kingdom movement that I am initiating. In a large part, the reason that Jesus was baptized that day was to say, we're in this thing together. It's Jesus who identifies with us. I think it's really easy to get a distorted view of who Jesus is. We read through the Gospels, those life stories of Jesus that we have in the New Testament, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And what can happen is we see all of these miracles, we see all these incredible things that Jesus does, and what happens with our Jesus math is that we forget that Jesus is 100% human, and we really focus on the fact that Jesus is 100% divine. Like, he does things that we could never do. There's no way that Jesus understands the things that I go through, the frustrations that I face, the struggles that I have. Jesus can do things I can't do. He can't understand me. And so though we may understand that Jesus calls us to fully surrender, to us we say, well, he doesn't understand what he's asking me to do because what he is asking me to do is impossible. But that's a distorted view of who Jesus is. Because he understands us, and he has identified with us. Next week in the message, we're going to talk about the temptation of Jesus. And I think Jesus' temptation was real. I think it was hard. I, I think Jesus gives us a pattern to follow to uh, not give into temptation. And even this is really what we're going to talk about next week. I think what Jesus laid out in the, in the temptation is how to avoid temptation altogether for the most part. When, but when we face temptation, Jesus understands. In fact, we read in Hebrews 4.15 that he is, understands our infirmities or our weaknesses and has been tempted like us in every way, yet was without sin. So he identifies with us. I think it's also easy to get a distorted view of Jesus as this emotionless superhero. Again, when we read those stories, we read the, the miracles that he performed, it's easy to think that Jesus was just flying around all over the place, touching people and doing incredible things. And he doesn't feel emotions in the way that we feel emotions. But that couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, I've got a challenge for you. For those of you that are reading through the New Testament with us, if you're new, we are 
this year challenging everybody in our church to read through the New Testament in the YouVersion Bible app. And so if you have that on your phone and you're at our live event, there's actually a link that you can click that takes you to the reading plan that we're following. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've been reading through Matthew. And so those of you that are reading through the Gospels at this point with us, reading through the New Testament this year, here's my challenge for you. As you read, look for emotions in the passages, specifically the emotions of Jesus. Because Jesus felt emotions in the same way that we feel emotions. All of the emotions that we feel, Jesus felt. He handled them a lot better than we do. So he gives us a model for how to deal with our emotions in this life. But when we slow down to actually read the stories of Jesus and think about them, here's what we find. We find Jesus who felt sadness and grief. Just like we do, Jesus wept. What we find is a Savior who was frustrated at the events that were unfolding before him, frustrated at the disciples. He said to his own disciples, oh, wicked generation, how much longer will I have to put up with you clowns? The clown part wasn't in there. What we find is a Jesus who was even angry when he went into the temple and overturned the tables, the money changers, and said, this is supposed to be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. See, in this simple act of baptism, it was Jesus saying to the people that were gathered there and had been listening to John the Baptist and then through them saying to us, listen, I get it. I understand you. I identify with you and I want you to know we are in this thing together. A lot like us, but is yet different from us. And that's why he can be trusted. Now, for just a second, I do want to talk a little bit about baptism in terms of how we perform baptism today, what we did this morning. Because it's similar to John's baptism, but yet at the same time, it's a little bit different than what John was doing. So John's baptism, he said, repent and be baptized so that your sins can be forgiven. What we practice is what is referred to as believer's baptism. So it's baptism after you come to faith in Jesus. So John said, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. What we say is, be baptized because your sins have been forgiven. And whereas Jesus wanted to identify with the people, what baptism is in the way that we practice it is identification with Jesus. It's somebody who says, hey, I recognize that Jesus died on the cross for my sin, and I believe in him, and I want people to know that I am identifying with Jesus and the kingdom movement that he initiated. Because Jesus left the glories of heaven and came to this earth to identify with us, and baptism is us identifying with him. It doesn't save us, but yet is a picture of what God does in our lives at the moment that we come to faith in Jesus and gives us new life. And so it is a celebration of the new life that God gives to us when we place our faith and trust in Jesus. And so if you're here today and you have never taken that step to be baptized after coming to faith in Jesus, and you maybe have some questions about that, please let us know. You can grab me after the service this morning or shoot me an email this week and because I'd love to have that dialogue with you and just talk a little bit more about baptism and find out if you're ready to take that step and say, I want to, I want to identify myself with Jesus. Jesus, again, he identified with us, but yet is different from us. 
And that's why he can be trusted. It says in verse 21, when all the people were baptized and when Jesus had also been baptized and when he was praying, the heavens were open and the Holy Spirit descended on him bodily in bodily form like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. So it's the baptism of Jesus that, where he identifies with us. It's the rest of that passage where we see something different about Jesus. And it's this baptism that highlights some of those differences where there are similarities, but yet differences. And so what we see is that the spirit comes down in bodily form like a dove and rests on Jesus. Now, as you think about that, please don't picture a literal dove floating down out of the sky and landing on Jesus. I know that's why artists sometimes uh, picture this, but that's not what happened. The, the Holy Spirit is not a dove, doesn't look like a dove. It's a simile to help us to un- understand what was happening at the time. Now, the Holy Spirit did come on Jesus in a bodily form, but it was not a dove. Now, what's interesting about this is that it's what happened with Jesus is something similar that happens to us when we come to faith in Jesus. See, when we come to faith in Jesus, the Bible describes how the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. And so it's the Spirit of God living inside of us that teaches us, convicts us of sin, guides us into all truth. And so, again, it's something similar is happening here, but yet is very different because this picture of the Spirit in a physical form coming to rest on Jesus is a little bit different. What this is signifying is it's the Spirit of God saying to Jesus in some sense, okay, you are now ready and anointed to begin your public ministry. So it's the Holy Spirit that comes on Jesus as he was praying, and then we hear the voice of the Father say, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. When we come to faith in Christ, we can be called sons and daughters of God, similar to what's happening with Jesus, but yet different because Jesus is not a son of God. He is the son of God. And the voice of the father is not saying to Jesus, at one point you weren't a son, but now you are the son. It was the voice of the father saying, okay, son, now you are ready to go about the process of saving the world. That's what the, the, the voice of the Father was saying to Jesus, that we see some things that are like us, but yet he's different from us, and that's why he can be trusted, because none of us can be the Savior of the world. The reason that Jesus can be our Savior is because he is the Son of God, God in the flesh. Now, there is something else in this passage I think is really, really important for us to notice, and I'll point it out to you, and that is that what we see in this passage is the existence of the Trinity. So the Trinity is the idea that we believe that there is one God who has eternally existed in three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, the Spirit is not the Father. The doctrine of the Trinity is a core part of our belief system. 
And so it's really important to, to, to see some of that here, that we believe that there is one God who has eternally existed as the Father in three persons, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Not that we believe that there is one God who has existed in three different forms at different times, but that we believe that there is one God who has eternally existed in three persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I know some of you are thinking, can you explain that to me? Like, Can you make that make sense, how we can believe in one God but yet three persons. Now, if you have grown up in church, I grew up in church, so I've heard lots of different similes or metaphors. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like that. So some of those things are coming to the minds of some of you who grew up in church. I'm not going to give you any of those this morning. Here's why. In the end, all of those things that we heard when we were kids, they all fall short. It's not exactly right. So I think the best thing that we can do is say that we believe Scripture affirms that there is one God who has eternally existed in three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I don't know if I can make it make sense. Here's what I would encourage us all to do, just like I did with Jesus' math, where it's 100% divine and 100% human equals 100% of all that Jesus is. It doesn't make sense, but we need to embrace the mystery and recognize the truth of Scripture and ask God to help us to understand a little bit more about that as we grow in our faith. But it's here. There are other places in Scripture where I think we could talk about the existence of the Trinity, but it's here at the baptism of Jesus where it is more clear than any other place because we have Jesus going to John to be baptized, then the Spirit descending on him like a dove, and then the voice of the Father. Jesus who is like us, he identifies with us, but yet is different from us, and that's why he can be trusted. Now, let's go back to those of us who are honest with ourselves and say that, yeah, you know what? I'm just kind of sort of a Christian. I want you to know, if that's where you're at, if if you're struggling to surrender everything in your life because you're not really sure if you can trust Jesus, I want you to know you can trust him and he'll never let you down. Now, does Jesus ask us to do hard things? Yes. Does Jesus ask us to give him control of everything in our lives, to surrender everything to him? Yes, he does. Is that hard to do? Is it hard to give up that level of control? Yes, it is. But when Jesus asks us to surrender everything that we have, even our very lives to him, he understands exactly what he's asking us to do. It is not an impossible task because he understands what he's asking us and he will never let us down. Because in those hard moments, because of who Jesus is, While he's like us, he identifies with us, he is different from us. And so we recognize that when we go through hard things and we're not really sure if we can continue on to do what he's asking us to do, it's Jesus who's walking right alongside of us. And in many cases, many instances, it's Jesus who carries us through those things. And he'll never let us down. And so as we finish up this morning, I want you to think about that area of your life where you would say that you're just kind of, sort of, a Christian. Where the area in your life that you haven't fully surrendered to Jesus so that it's not lining up with what he wants for you. Maybe it's in the area of your marriage. Maybe it's in the way that you invest in your children. 
or maybe it's work or your finances. Or maybe it's just the way that you deal with the stress of life. Or instead of giving those burdens to Jesus and letting him carry them, you're trusting in something else to get you through. Are you willing to surrender that area of your life to Jesus today? And what that looks like is you in the quietness of your seat saying, you know what, I recognize I'm just kind of sort of a Christian in this area of my life. And I want to surrender it to you. And it's you asking the Spirit of God to begin to guide you and help you and give you the courage to do what you need to do so that that area of your life lines up with the character and teachings of Jesus. Because we can't be satisfied just being kind of sort of Christians where we get the right answers. Jesus wants so much more for us than just that. And we can trust him. Does he ask us to do hard things? Yes, but Jesus identifies with us, but is yet different from us, and that's why we can trust him. If you would just kind of bow your heads with me and close your eyes. The band's going to come up, and they're going to be going to play through a song, but you know, I was thinking about this this week as we finish up. You know, the reality is there may be some in the room today or some who are watching online who maybe throughout the course of this series, you've kind of been wondering what it is you really believe about Jesus. I mean, you've heard some stories before, but not really sure that you could fully trust him. And so maybe for the first time today, you want to trust Jesus as your Savior, recognizing that there is nothing that you can do to change your eternity. And I want you to know Jesus understands where you're at, that he's different than you. He's, he's better than you. He is the Son of God who laid his life down for you so that your sins could be forgiven and you can have eternal life. And it is just a matter of belief. It's trusting in Jesus that saves us. There is nothing that we do to earn that. Sometimes what we tell people to do today, because it's hard to kind of hold on to a decision of faith, we just encourage people to simply pray, and, and prayer is just talking to God, and tell God what's going on in your heart and in your life. And so if you're here today or you're watching online and you're saying, you know what, I, I want to trust Jesus as my Savior. Maybe in the quietness of your seat or on your couch, you want to just pray a prayer or something like this. Heavenly Father, I recognize that I'm a sinner. And today I trust in Jesus who understands the frustrations that I go through, the struggles that I have. but who is the Son of God and who is my Savior. Forgive my sins and save me. If you are making that decision today, don't just keep it to yourself. I would encourage you to share that with someone. Maybe it's somebody who you came with today or, or, or who you're watching with online or, or just send me an email and say, hey, Bill, when you let us in that prayer, I prayed that prayer because I believe that Jesus died for me. What we'd love to do with you at some point in the future when you feel like you're ready is to celebrate what God is doing in your life through the act of baptism. When you say, you know what, I want everyone to know that I identify with Jesus. Heavenly Father, 
I do pray for all of us because there are times, there are places where all of us find ourselves where in reality we're just kind of sort of Christians. When you call us to surrender everything. And so through the work of your spirit, as you expose those things in our lives, help us to say yes to you and surrender that area so that in everything that we do and all that we are, we are an accurate reflection of who you are and all that you've done for us. Lord Jesus, we identify with you. Help us to always be a part of your kingdom movement as you bring your kingdom into this world through us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.